0: Uh, of the podcast. Uh, thanks for everybody who's listened to it so far. I can't believe that it's uh, lasted as long as it has. Every day seems a blessing to me and I just really love doing it so I'm really thrilled to be able to present it to everybody. I'm glad that everybody's having finding so much value. Hopefully many more episodes to come. Today we have another guest on the theme or topic of houses. She is someone who was recommended to me by Harry Singh, a man who's Definitely in the, in the know when it comes to houses. So I think any recommendations of his definitely speaks highly as a credential or on your CV in terms of the level of standard that uh, these individuals must be at. Because Harry, uh, of course, he has been doing houses for a long time and he really knows his stuff. We are very privileged to have her here today. She is a mortgage advisor, but she also specializes on dentists. I hope I've described you accurately there, Sarah. Her uh, full name is Sarah Grace. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, James. Yes, yes. No, that's a very, very good um, introduction. Yes.
0: So right. Good that. Yeah, good <laughs> stuff. Don't let it all go to your head, though, Sarah. I'm, I know that you won't. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I have to say, Harry is very confident and he really, really knows what he's talking about. So it's definitely a a um, you know a positive thing or something that's uh, uh, you came highly recommended by him so you must be good at what you do is all I can say so Sarah we have of course never met until now and there'll be lots of people on the group who may not have heard of you so I was wondering if you could just do a brief intro about who you are what you do and how you help dentists specifically
1: yes yeah that's that's great James yes well I've um I've been in the mortgage industry for about 27 years. So I've got quite a lot of knowledge and experience on the mortgage side. I've been working uh, predominantly with dentists since 2004. Um, So I understand the dental career path the foundation dentists, um, UDAs, that sort of thing. Uh, So I understand uh, the challenges that uh, dentists have when they're Coming to get a mortgage because they're self employed I understand um you know the self employed whether it be sole trader partnership limited company understand all of those different types of incomes i'm actually uh self employed myself I went from a sole trader to a limited company, so I really do understand that transaction as well um We've uh, we've got about 540 dental clients. So I've uh, I've done a few mortgages for dentists over the over the years. Uh, so don't hold me to it, but I think I've probably come across most income situations. But I'm always up for a challenge of a new one.
0: <laughs> cool, fair enough, good stuff. And is that mainly people who are looking to buy houses to live in, or buy to let, and other arrangements for mortgages?
1: A bit of both, really. Uh, I would say it's predominantly residential, uh, but obviously because of Harry Singh, uh, he he uh, um, does, you know, it, it is is spy to let. Um, so we his his clients that he has that are looking to build portfolios um, by 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 to let's be it you know starting a portfolio or or increasing their portfolio we we'll, we'll do that as well and that, that can be uh bytelects in their sole name or or in a limited company uh, we do both
0: cool and i know that you're an advisor or you help dentists in the process of getting mortgages but just spell it out exactly where do you fit into the process should someone come to you before they've procured the mortgage or where do you just fit in exactly in that process? For anybody who's going yeah, to be buying always... a house for the first time, because I've never bought a house, you see, and I'm sure there'll be other people here who are in the same boat as me. So I don't even know the first step, the first step about the process. And uh, yeah, I'm just yeah. wondering at what part you get involved.
1: I I would say I always prefer speaking to clients before they've even started to look for properties because. Um, that, that we do have clients that come to us and say, I've had a uh, offer accepted on a property. Um, can you get me a mortgage? Um, which which is which is absolutely fine, don't get me wrong. But, but then we've got our backs up against the walls. And sometimes if estate agents have been, you know, well, we won't accept their offer until we've got a mortgage agreement in principle, it can all be a bit stressful for everyone. So what I would say is, get in touch with us. Um, Let's have a chat, see what you want to achieve. I'll talk about deposits, because at the moment, the big thing is, is deposit makes a massive difference on your interest rate that you pay. Um, So it might be that uh, the, the deposit isn't quite big enough, or it might be that you can talk to bank and mum and dad being as they're doing about 7% of the lending in the industry at the moment, um, uh, or or something like that. You know, I can give you an idea of what the monthly costs are going to be on on your sort of – if you've got a – normally you've got a sort of price range in mind of what you want to buy, and, and, and then we can talk about that. It might be a case of, you know, this time of year we're coming close to the end of the tax year it might be look if you if you hold fire until the 6th of april get your accountant to do your tax return we we're, we're going to have so many more options if we if we leave it till then um, you know it, it we we can talk about lots of different options then whereas you know we we don't have the options if you if you've already got a property and you has been accepted
0: you know what i almost felt a bit silly asking that question but i'm glad that i did because i definitely would have come to you after i already had yes sorted yeah yes yeah yeah call me call me naive but um yeah like i say it almost felt like a silly question when i was asking that because i thought i thought okay most people who are listening will probably know the answer to this bar me but uh yeah anybody out there who I, i can't imagine i was the only one who thought that and i'm glad that you set us straight there really um, yeah. What, are, so you're when you say your backs are against the wall after the uh, agreement has already been made. Why? is Yeah. That?
1: Well, it's it's just um, estate agents predominantly are the banes of our, our lives. They put everybody under pressure. They they you know, they. Or, or they might say, well, we won't accept your offer or we won't allow you to go and view a property unless you've got an agreement in principle, um, which is what we've had a lot of just recently. And that's understandable because the market's been incredibly buoyant. Um, so, so uh, you know, by by coming to us under pressure, it puts you under pressure, it puts us under pressure. And and at the moment, you know, because we're, we're incredibly busy. We can't perhaps just be as reactive as as we are some other times. Um so so the thing is is by just speaking to me, you know, beforehand, there's no pressure. You can you can fill out our we've got a client portal, you can fill that out over a weekend at your leisure rather than staying up till 2-3 am in the morning doing this.
0: Okay, fair enough, cool. So obviously you've been doing this for a while. I'm sure there are some classic mistakes that you see quite frequently. How can we generally be more savvier as borrowers who are looking for a house, and what do we need to look out for? Uh,
1: yeah, I there, there's there's a there's a few things um, with regards to getting obtaining a mortgage. There's there's some simple things like uh, which which we get an awful lot of especially if um if you've sort of uh just finished your foundation year and you've not been long out of uni um the amount of clients that aren't on the electoral roll um which lenders prefer to see you on the electoral roll so that that's one big thing um the another big thing is is that your documents don't tally with where you're saying you live uh so a lot of people just leave everything registered oh, that their parents are guilty
0: guilty yeah yeah so
1: so you put on the application form that you live in in london but your yeah. parents live in birmingham Do
0: you know and lenders i'm listening to these no-nos right now and i'm just taking off everyone so yeah. far i'm taking off both <laughs> of them
1: that is me <laughs> And just lenders don't like it when when yeah. everything doesn't tally, which you can understand because when they're looking when they're looking at applications, they're looking at fraudulent applications as well, and those are the classic things that they pick up on fraud. Um, and we all know that it's just that uh, the amount of people that say, "Oh, I thought it would be better to keep it at my parents so that I don't keep on changing address." Uh, but that's uh, that's not that's not always the case. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Again, me, and that was the main reason why. Because, yeah. I mean, Well, I mean, when I was a student, you move every year, don't you? Yes. Um, yes. Well, dentist, Dentistry is five years, so it's even more of a fast. Yes. Has to keep changing, and uh, yeah, I can see it from I can see why someone might do that. So, would that mean that these banks or whoever the lender is would give you poorer interest rates? Or would they just make you jump through more hoops to prove who you are?
1: Well, no, I've got one lender that if, if it was a t- with a 10% deposit, if you're not on the electoral roll, they'll decline you.
0: Right, yeah, fair enough. And uh, am I right or am I wrong in saying that depending on how long you've been on the electoral roll, does that make a difference either in terms of the, you know, the terms that they might give you as far as Interest rates, or you know, how much yeah, that it's not. Does that
1: it's, make a difference? It's, yeah, it's not so much the interest rates; it's whether they'll approve you for a loan or not. Right. Uh, okay. So, so the thing, uh, the thing is, is if you've been registered with mum and dad on on the on the electoral roll, well, um, that that's fine. But just move it, move the electoral roll registration to where you're living at the moment. They've still got a continuation. Of uh, you being on the electoral roll somewhere, okay.
0: um,
1: but but if you can be at your current address, that that's the best.
0: Good stuff. Cool. What about specifically for dentists then? How can how can we? What are the kind of typical things that you can do to help us as dentists get better terms on our mortgage? So I know that obviously a lot of dentists are self-employed. Uh, yeah. and what some banks do is they insist that you have two years payment or wage history so maybe you can offer them point them in the right direction of somebody who can lend to them that could be one of the ways i don't know if there's others
1: yeah there's there's i would say the majority of lenders want two years account so if you if you think about you you finish your foundation year um in august you start you start your um associate position in september so your first tax return that you do will be up until april the following year but then that's only going to have seven months of earnings so really you've got to have two and a half years of earnings before you get a tax return with a full years of of self employed um figures so so um what, what we have is we've lenders that will work off your so, so I'm actually doing a couple of mortgage currently where um, two people have finished their uh, foundation year in, in August and they've um, they started associate positions in September so what we've done is we've um, got a principals reference and um, who have confirmed the UDAs we've got their copy of their paper schedules from the the practices that they work at, see if that tallies with what the principal's saying, and then send that to the lender, and they will work off the UDA figure.
0: Right, I see. And then at that point, they can usually get credit.
1: Yes. So if you do, for example, 6,000 UDAs at, let's make it easy, £10 a UDA, your, uh, they will look at your earnings for 60000 a year and then they will base their lending decision on 60000 income.
0: Oh, brilliant. So it's not as black and white as we always have to wait this two and a half years. No,
1: no, excellent.
0: no. Excellent, excellent. I wish I would have known that sooner because I delayed, well, I have been delayed, but I, delayed, uh, I have delayed buying a house for a little while because I was under the impression that you had to have this two and a half years worth of credit. But what I, what had happened to me was I went to Santander one day and I spoke to someone, you know, and they were behind the desk, uh, up, upst- you know, in there, you know, I had a one to one meeting. I I suppose yes. And because they weren't familiar exactly with dentists and their pay schedule and their arrangement, because it is a bit of a unique one, they just yeah. simply said to me, "Oh, you'll have to come back in two years." Yes, the world self employed, but it's not as black and white as that.
1: No, we have got lenders and, and I've educated lenders over over the years and I have I do have a you know some exclusive criteria off a few of a couple of lenders.
0: I see. And am I right in saying these are usually high street banks then that give this credit? Give do the lending they're, or they're, they're, who they're, are less well known.
1: They're not your they're not your nationwide Santander's um, you know, high high street. But they are, they are sort of really reputable, um, sort of well-known lenders, but they're perhaps, you know, more regional-based rather than national uh, high street lenders.
0: Really valuable bit of information, that about the dentists being unique in that they can be self-employed but still obtain a mortgage. Despite yes. Not having, that is, you know, that is a really valuable piece of information. Actually, I wish I would have known that sooner. I'm sure that's helpful yeah. for you who are listening. That can't be the only issue you come across. It must be a little more complex than that. There must be other things that you see. Uh
1: the the accounts is is probably the number one issue that I have. The the other thing at, at the moment, which is really specific to the market at the moment because of the pandemic that we're in, um, is is deposit is is really key on um the type of rate that you're going to pay. So so um if you we have now, lenders with a 10% deposit uh, that will lend, whereas only two, three months ago, there was very, there well, there was near on no lenders that would lend with a 10% deposit two, three months ago. We're We're back into the, we do have lenders, there's a bit of competition, rates are coming down um but even with a 15% deposit rates are probably still sat at about 1% more than what they were pre-pandemic um so so you know a de- deposit is really key um so you know the one thing that i am telling sort of advising clients at the moment is probably to consider a, a two year fixed rate over a five year because then that means that um, you can switch the rate in two years' time and hopefully the market will have settled down a little bit in two years' time and we'll be back to more of the pre-pandemic rates uh, because the cost of funds on the money markets, which is what lenders secure the rates on, that, they are no different to what they were 12 months ago.
0: Aside from what you've just mentioned, is there any trends that you've noticed at the minute uh, given the whole COVID pandemic? um anything that's changed in the last 12 months
1: um no i well i would say that london is quite and down uh an awful lot because we're national we we do we do all of our um client calls over the phone and and that so we i'll deal with any client anywhere in the in the uk um so London is really quiet and down, but that's that's probably what's happening nationally anyway. I think they uh, in in one of the uh, Sunday papers not very long ago. I think they said seventy six thousand people have moved out out of London. Um, so that probably sort of tallies with what I'm finding. The London market has quietened down. So whether that's a whether that's a up and coming market, whether there's going to be some deals to be had in in london uh that might be the case
0: yeah well you might you might guess that that's because obviously london is uh well obviously with covid going on and london being so compact that people are trying to get out of the city and yeah maybe fingers crossed when all of this calms down they might return again yes that's yeah the, that's the yeah. theory i suppose really isn't it yes but yeah
1: so that you know london might be an opportunity uh but other other areas, sort of more uh, uh rural areas. Uh and that, you know, we're we're seeing a lot of a lot of uh, people buying, a lot of first-time buyers um we're dealing with at the moment. So yeah, a lot of mortgages generally.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Well a lot of demand at the minute because of the capital gains. Oh sorry, not the capital gains there, stamp duty holiday.
1: Stamp duty, stamp yeah. duty
0: holiday. How, yeah, how do you yeah. expect that to pan out over the next few months?
1: Did well, it, I, I, it I think return? it will end.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, it will, it will end. Uh, well, that's my opinion. But don't forget, if you're a first time buyer, I, I assume that the government will uh, put back in place the first time buyer stamp duty scheme that they had prior to the stamp duty holiday. So up to five hundred k um you still had a, a a good discount on on a on a um stamp duty so uh just because you might have missed the 31st of march deadline doesn't mean to say that uh, it's not going to be good to buy post 31st of march
0: do you think there might even be an increase in stamp duty or too hard to call. Uh, <laughs> I think that's that true, too
1: hard. I've, <laughs> I've been in this game for too long to try and predict what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> well, it's like anything, really. I mean, anything finance, you know, you have your predictions and your models and your theories. But what happens in money is just a reflection of what happens in society quite often. And it's really hard to predict what happens in society and therefore, by extension, what happens in finance. Same yes reason, same yeah why the one really knows what's going to happen with the stock market you know people guess but never yeah to sure. real quick guys i've put together a special report for dentists entitled the seven costly and potentially disastrous mistakes that dentists make whenever it comes to their finances most of the time dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened and that is the purpose of this report you can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.denisoninvest.com forward slash podcast report or alternatively you can download it using the link in the description this report details these seven most common issues however most importantly it also shows you how to fix them i'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts
1: You, you'll never know until after the event and, and that's, that's the thing is, is, you know, in theory, everybody wants to buy at the bottom of the market and sell at the top. Um, but, you know, when people say to me, is it a good time to buy or when's a good time to buy, uh, you know, the, 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 the thing, the question that I always ask is buying in, uh, or investing in property, it's a long term investment. And as long as you invest for the long term, you will always, well, based on any any past uh, performance, you will always gain. And if if the alternative is to rent, well, you know, the, I I'm now quite often doing mortgages, and people are saying, "Gosh, that mortgage payment is cheaper than my rent." And the thing is, is is mortgage payments, they're paying back the capital; they're they're not just paying the interest, which is what rent is it's dead money you're never going to get it back
0: yeah of course fair enough um well i think that that's the main reason why as a renter i need a good kick up the backside to just go and buy a house uh so yeah i really need to get around to that because as you say it's just it's money into a black hole and with a mortgage at least you're actually contributing towards something presumably you say that buying a house or property as a long-term investment because of how many tax implications there are when you try to move it on?
1: Yeah, well, there's no there's no capital gains tax on sale of a personal private main residence. Um, but the thing is, is to buy and sell uh, does cost quite a lot because if you've got stamp duty to buy and then to sell, you've got agent's fees. Yeah. Um, and, and then you'll probably buy again. So you've got stamp duty again. You've got solicitor's costs. You know, I, I would say on buying the av- buying and selling uh, sort of standard, you're, you're selling at 300, buying at 500, which is probably the, the second time move that, you know, I do quite a lot for people. Um, you probably look on the sale and purchase. You've got 20 grand's worth of costs with stamp duty. Um, oh. So, you know... My 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 view is is to borrow as much as you can at, at the beginning and try and take out one of those moves because every move costs you about twenty K.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Well that is why I know that some investors they have a bit of a bone to pick with property, just because it's inverted, commas illiquid, so it's difficult to yeah. move at the drop of a hat, you know? But obviously yes. and, they're a special case in in a sense as well because you need to get your first house uh, just so that you've got somewhere to reside and as well as that so you're not chucking money into a black hole, which is effectively what renting is. Yes. Just another way of looking at it. But, you know, there's not not to say that you can't argue a case for them being part of a diversified portfolio, but maybe a portfolio that is wholly uh, subsisting in houses, well there's a few downsides to it basically but uh you'll know more than me Sarah I'm sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah I think that's uh, a reasonable thing to say. So given everything that we've just said what do you think about buying at the minute is that a good idea or a bad idea?
1: Yeah you know I th- uh, I d- I don't I don't think there's a, you know any particular good time uh, or bad time you only know after the event whether it was good or bad to to buy. Um, so, you know, that you've, you've got to do it for the right reasons. Um, if, if you want to make a fast buck, um, uh, you know, I would say that it is risky, uh, if you want to make a fast buck and be in and out of the market uh, quickly. Um, uh, and also if it's your home, well, you know, does it, does it really matter if it's going to cost you? You know an extra thousand pounds a year for the next twenty years um it's your home and uh you know, having having a home is possibly quite important especially especially in today's you know we're we're all spending so much more time at home having a nice home and having the right home is probably more important than anything else.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, like I say, I suppose it comes back to that special case. Uh, what we said earlier, well, houses are a special case, and because you need one, then it's worth going out of your way to get your first one just so that you can save money on rent. But after that, it's more of a conundrum and difficult to say how things yes. pan out because of uh, yeah. stamp duty, because of well, what way the market's going to go after that. Difficult to say if I'm if I'm gathering yeah. what you're saying correctly.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. If you're buying, if you're buying as an investment for buy to let, and that, obviously, you want to try and play the market a little, little bit more. But you know, um, uh, at the moment, obviously, uh, there's a there's up to fifteen k incentive um, by not paying the stamp duty on a purchase of five hundred k. So, so that that's quite a good incentive to to buy now. Um, after after april you know i i i don't know it it depends on how how the economy does you know they're all all talking about a, a strong bounce back because of the vaccine that we have um which if that's the case well yeah carry on carry on buying but it might it might become more of a buyers market in april because there's so many transactions that are going through now um it might become a bit more of a buyers market so Negotiate, negotiate the hell out of uh, the the purchase prices.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Is that something that you do a little bit of then, flipping houses? Uh,
1: no, I've, I've not. I've always bought and hold. Um, uh, but I have. I did sell one recently due to the sta- tam- uh, stamp duty, not stamp duty, sorry, uh, due to the taxation of vitalettes. Um, one that didn't create much profit. It was actually an ex-main residence, so I never bought it uh, as a rental, and it wasn't a particularly uh, good yield rental. But I didn't want to sell it, um, but I did sell it once the, uh, the the taxation changes came in because it was going to cost me to to keep it, so it wasn't worth keeping. Um, so yeah, but all all the buy to lets I've ever
0: had is I've bought to hold um yeah really interestingly we had a chap on the last podcast who was how can I say not a fan of buy-to-lets and he said that it's actually very difficult to make them profitable these days what's your take on that
1: yeah I think certainly anything south of of Birmingham you're probably correct because I know when I first bought my buy-to-let um you know I'm looking at Twenty twenty odd years ago, I'd be working on a yield of ten percent, and I wouldn't do anything unless I got a ten percent yield. Now, you know, five percent is deemed as a good yield.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So, north of Birmingham, still worth a while.
1: Yeah, so I, think, I think I think so. Because you, yeah, you can you can pick up houses for just over a hundred k uh you've not then got massive deposits that you've got to put down and the uh, the rental the rental yields are a lot better
0: what's a, what sort of rental yield should we be looking for then
1: well the it, it it depends on like probably harry's the better person to ask it's it's ah, well, okay. what what's your what's your um what's your what are you what's your aim? What's your goals? Are you are you buying to have capital growth or you or are you buying for a yield? Um because I I tend to think that you either go for one or the other. You you it yeah. you're very lucky if you get both.
0: Harry says something similar actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh no, I was just wondering if you could maybe give uh, a bit of a figure uh in terms of um yield returns every year that someone might want to you know you, you might expect to make a buy to let profitable uh but uh, well if yeah if you, maybe it's not necessarily what you do every day like uh, what harry does
1: yeah uh like the thing is is from a lender's point of view um most most lenders will stress test it at a rate of 5.5 percent right unless yeah. you go for a five-year fixed so, so really, you know, lenders are saying that they expect you to get a five and a half percent yield, because otherwise they they might not think that it's worth worth having. But you know, you you can you can get mortgages with a with a lower stress test, but you have to do a five year fixed rate to to get that.
0: Totally understand. Uh, yeah, well, I was actually planning on asking you if you had any hot tips in terms of where we might look for rental yield, or. Uh, capital growth, but uh, I'm not necessarily sure if that's your forte. Is that something that you might yeah. speak on? Or... well,
1: I, I <laughs> would, uh, I, yeah, I, um, like as I say, we we are national, but I would uh, one of one of the things that I would always say is the location, location, location. Um, don't buy the most expensive house on the street because there's very li- little growth in that property um you're better off to buy a smaller house in a nicer area um and yeah they they, but you know if you're looking at i know i mentioned london before i don't just deal with london but you know if you're looking at london but being by a tube station is is going to be more popular if you're if you're in a rural area um you know uh just don't buy just don't buy the most expensive house or the ha- most expensive house on the estate. Um, you know, if you're buying on a housing estate. And and if you if you don't know what how how well how do I check out what those properties have gone for, you can always go to Rightmove and um there's instead of looking at buying uh, you can look at sold sold prices and you just put the postcode uh, postcode of the area and then it will tell you all of the houses that have sold in the last sort of 10 years in that area.
0: Oh, that's a good top tip, actually. So that's a little bit of market research, an easy way of doing market research, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds the reason that. So you can't give us any hot tips in terms of areas? How are said? Grimsby. Had good
1: oh, right, Grimsy. Yeah, okay. yeah. it's cold, <laughs> cold up north.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but well, uh, I take it that's because the houses are cheap. Uh, um, yes, prob- probably, probably, yeah. Blessed. Um, yeah. and
1: and that would be good for a rental, uh, yield. Uh, uh, I would have thought as well. And also, if you like fish, uh, that'd be a great area <laughs> to live. <laughs>
0: do you know, I used to do, I used to go to clinic in Hull. I hey, right. never. I have never been somewhere so cheap. Yes. You know, in terms of you know stuff that you can buy in the shop, it's insane. Yeah. It's like yeah. not even. It's like it's another. You're on holiday. Those sorts yes. of prices, like in Thailand or something, it's yes. absolutely incredible. Like you literally do a double take because everything yes. is so cheap. But it's right next to the sea, I guess. So yeah, fresh off the boat into Hull. I, I don't really know exactly why, but uh, if anybody wants a cheap day, I I recommend Hull. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. There was definitely some good tidbits in there for anybody listening. The two years, well, the not necessarily having to wait two years. Is yes. An, if, if you didn't take anything else away from this podcast and you're a first-time buyer and you're a dentist, that is a golden nugget right there. Yes. I, I did not know that. I did not that know that. That is the that.
1: biggest myth that I have of any dentist that calls and saying I've been told that I need to have two years.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Because what happened to me, and I'm sure it's happened to other people. You'll get someone in a the bank; they're a tick box person, or they're just you know they kind of greet everybody, and they don't really know the specific nuances of uh, dentistry. Then, for that reason, they mightn't be in the best position to inform you of where you stand on that. So, we're hoping that that has somewhat has went somewhere to dispel that myth. And, yeah um, i could have done with using that i could have uh, used that information a lot sooner most definitely so thanks for that from me um, no, no problem, problem for the viewers wonderful okay then sarah well thank you so much for giving up your time today to come on the podcast is, is there a way that anybody in the group can get in touch with you should they be interested or want to learn more
1: yeah we've um we've uh, got a you can phone me you can email me we've got a we've also got a website uh the website's uh www.sarah-grace.co.uk. Um, yeah, so so we've got we've got lots of things on there about we've got you know the the no accounts the one years accounts uh, all of that. If you want to read up any more information on that uh, on the website, there's a there's a link for um, let's talk. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with us, you can contact us via the website. Our phone numbers: zero two zero three six triple three triple eight. So that that's that's fine. I'd say, you know, if you want to, if anybody wants to just have a chat with me, we don't charge to have a chat. Um, um, I'm, I want to help people. You know, that that's what I'm about. I want to help people. I want to help make sure that people get good deals um and and that's so yeah just get in touch
0: okay well thank you so much sarah it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show
1: no that's lovely thank you thank you so much for the opportunity no. james and uh you have a good day
0: no problem sarah absolute pleasure and thank you so much for all the value that you've given us hope you have a wonderful day and we'll speak very soon
1: yeah take care bye